1: Welcome to On The Rock, God's Unchanging Word for Changing Times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's Word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On the Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. When you live by God's economy, according to His simple,
0: proven biblical principles, you will prosper and You won't just prosper financially, but in every area. When you do it, of course, in faith and obedience to Him. In today's program, we're going to see some of the most classic verses on biblical finance and giving in 2 Corinthians. Our series is entitled, Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary. This is part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. We're going to focus on some of the classic verses of Christian finance and giving found right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And keep this in mind that you can never go wrong doing what God says. You will have no regrets doing what God says. On the contrary, you will not only be greatly blessed, but the overflow of the blessing in your life will touch and bless the lives of others. So it basically begins with this. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, 6-10, But this I say, that he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You know, that is uh, about as fundamental as you can get. they using the metaphor of a farmer and seed, Well, the same happens with finance. The more seed you sow, the greater the harvest will be. But if you are stingy with the amount of seed you plant, don't expect much of a harvest either. Now, we have met some very generous people in our times, and not one of them has any regrets about being generous. In fact, I can think of people who have prospered in their personal lives and in their businesses, precisely because they are generous. Obviously, they use some wisdom in how to do the business, but ultimately, as the scripture says, one man sows, another man waters, but God gives the increase. Any increase you get ultimately is from God. Consider it the grace and blessing of God in your life, and make sure that you bless others in the process. There's another classic verse, Second Corinthians 9 and verse 7 every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. That again is one of the classic verses. God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give because you feel under compulsion. Don't give because you maybe have a cynical attitude of what the church will do with the money or that all the church wants is your money which, of course, in most cases is not true. God doesn't particularly want your money, or shall we say doesn't need your money, but he wants you to be blessed. And he knows that by giving, he will then be in a position to give back to you. But if you don't sow anything into the kingdom of God and into the needy causes that come up, then there's no harvest to be reaped either. So again, the principle stands, but when we give, It's to be done voluntarily, freely, and cheerfully because God loves a cheerful giver. We learn because of this that God, when you cooperate with Him in this manner, He will make all grace abound toward you. You will always have whatever you need in all things and that you will always be abundant in every good work. In other words, you cannot outgive God. The more you sow into kingdom purposes, to worthy causes, to the poor, God will give back to you. Guaranteed. In fact, the scripture tells us that when we give to the poor, it's like a loan to the Lord. We're loaning to God and God will repay. That's why we learn finally that he that minister seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness in other words god gives you the seed god gives you the plants god gives you the bread god gives you everything let's read the passage in full now second corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 to 10 again second corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 to 10 but this i say He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work, as it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. This is Second Corinthians chapter nine verses six to ten. As I said earlier, these verses are classic when it comes to to biblical giving, and they're worth learning. So that's what this lesson is about. The lesson is entitled, Sowing and Reaping. And the more you sow, friend, the more you reap. So that's, of course, what our very first verse here, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, tells us, that the one who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. So in this lesson, you are going to hear about grace, giving, sowing, and reaping. Because you will only reap in proportion to what you have sown. If you have sown sparingly, your harvest will be sparing too. In fact, it'll just be sparse altogether. If you sow abundantly, so will be the harvest. Sowing was used as a metaphor for almsgiving. That's what some commentators say. For example, in Isaiah 32, verse 20, Isaiah thirty-two twenty says, Blessed are you who sow beside all waters, who send out freely the feet of the ox and the donkey. Which simply means a willingness to help anyone in need. Another verse, a classic verse, Hosea 10, verse 12. Hosea 10.12, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till he come and rain righteousness upon you. This means, if you remember to sow in mercy to the poor, you also will receive mercy in your time of need. Both in the Old Testament as well as in the Sermon on the Mount, we are reminded, blessed are the merciful, for they shall Obtain mercy. And as I've always told my students and my listeners, if you're going to err, then err on the side of mercy, not on the side of judgment. Give people more leeway than they deserve. I don't mean to run riot and be silly, but Give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't succumb to cynicism. Believe the best in people. Isn't that what love is about? Love believes all things, hopes for all things, and so on. Err on the side of mercy, because if you do, when you need mercy, you'll get it. We go to verse 7, another classic verse, which says this, So let each one of us, or each person, as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, not giving of necessity, For God loves a cheerful giver. Well, praise God for that. Your giving should be liberal or abundant as you purpose in your heart. You shouldn't feel forced, under obligation, arm twisted behind your back. That is not right. And I do believe it is important, especially if we're trying to raise money for a worthy kingdom cause. We give people the opportunity to give, but we leave the back door unlocked In fact, leave it open. If people simply don't want to give, don't put a guilt trip on them to give. I think that is very wrong, and I'm pretty sure God thinks it's wrong too. He doesn't want people giving grudgingly. He doesn't want people giving of necessity. He wants them to give freely, lovingly, cheerfully, joyfully. And remember, because the giving is done as unto God, even if the recipient of the gift doesn't handle the gift in the best way possible. God will still bless the cheerful giver because of the grace on their life. They are sowing and they are reaping. I remember years ago of a ministry that helped to train people for ministry. And they invested money in these people, these protégés. But sometimes the protégés would run off with a bad attitude, bad-mouthing the ministry that had trained them. When asked, do you regret training these people who have turned against you. I mean, it sounds terrible, but it's nothing new. Just read Philippians chapter 1 and some of the people who were mean to Paul, even in his time of imprisonment. So, do they regret having given to these ministries? And the reply was absolutely not, because they did it as unto God. this All the money they gave was for God. It also reminds me of another ministry, one that has a high profile, that was being greatly criticized by, by an evangelist. The, for some reason, the evangelist didn't like this particular church and made his displeasure unknown, or very well known, excuse me. Anyway, the, the evangelist was coming to the town, and this church that he had criticized was asked, would they like to be part of it? And the church's reply was, is he winning souls? And they said, yes, he's winning lots of souls. They said, we're in, because whatever is good for the kingdom is good for us. I tell you, this kingdom mindset that rises above the petty, bickering, and critical attitudes that so many people seem to get stuck with is eagle Christianity, flying above the fray. And I'm telling you, friends, that's what spirit-filled living is like. You will mount up with wings as eagles so that you can run and not be weary, and you can walk and not faint. God loves a cheerful giver. If it pains you to give keep the money. Remember, your failure to sow means a failure to reap. Our offerings are free will and not by law. So, there is a grace that's in giving. If you do it because you feel obligated, it's it's terrible. It's a bondage. But if you do it by grace, it is freedom. And remember, friends, the concept of koinonia or koinonia. Our giving isn't just giving some money into an offering bag. It's deep, deep. Caring and sharing. We share from our abundance so that others are cared for. And guess what? We're investing in the future because God will make sure we are cared for in return. Verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 9. It tells us, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Friends, this is a wonderful promise. I call it abounding grace, here in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. God is not just able, but willing to make all grace abound in you. Now, the word for grace is charis, or charis, which is where we get charismatic. And charis, or charis, means grace, gift, loving kindness, and favor. Here, it is referring to charitable gifts that will be sent to the suffering church. Out of God's abundant grace, He is able to give you everything you need, temporally as well as spiritually. This, in turn, means that they will have more than enough to help those who are in need. You will have all sufficiency in all things that you can abound in every good work. Now, as one that's in ministry, I myself (laughs) really appreciate this verse, because in order to fulfill the call that God has for us, our call at Teach All Nations is Basically, to get God's Word out wherever we can. To make it accessible, understandable, applicable, and transformational. Because we know that when people have God's Word in their life, they will live better, healthier, happier, fruitful lives because their lives are on the rock, not on the sinking sand. But for us to fulfill this mandate, we need resources. And we've learned, God is able to make all grace abound towards us, that we will have sufficiency in all things, that we may have abundance for every good work. That's the glory of God. Now, we come to a very important promise, quoting from Psalm 112, verse 9. And this is, of course, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 9. The quote, it says, this speaks about the liberal sower who does not sow among family and familiar friends alone, but sows abroad to foreigners, other nations, and far-flung places. Let me read the verse to you. It says, as it is written, He has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. This is Psalm 112, verse 9. Again, the dispersing abroad speaks about giving beyond your familiar circle to mission fields, to foreigners, Perhaps to the persecuted church suffering in another part of the world, giving to the poor, dispersing wealth. Because of this liberality, the sower's work of righteousness will be remembered before God. Think of the incident with Cornelius, the centurion, in Acts chapter 10. In verse 2 of Acts 10, Cornelius, who is a Gentile, he's a Roman, he is called a devout God-fearer who prayed and gave many alms. In verse 4, the angel of God tells Cornelius that his prayers and alms have come up as a memorial before God. Think about it. This guy wasn't even from the house of Israel. He wasn't one of the quote-unquote chosen people. But because he had done the right thing, God in heaven had a record, had taken note, and basically now sent the angel to Cornelius. Your prayers have been heard, Cornelius, therefore follow these explicit instructions. And the instructions were that Cornelius was to send his messengers one day by foot south of Caesarea to Joppa, now known as Jaffa, and get Simon Peter to come and give you the message of the gospel, the message of life. God remembers our prayers. God remembers our giving. That's how important it is. Now, giving and prayers alone do not save us. Only the gospel can do that. But prayers and giving position us to be heard of God and to be open to God's word. Final verse. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. This is 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. God supplies seed to the sower, the wheat crop, and the bread that results from the seed and the stalk of wheat. In all things, whether it's the seed, it's the crop, or it's the harvest and the food that comes, God is the source. And his resources should be used in the manner that God decrees. Sowing seed is either giving of alms, as in the case of the needy Jerusalem church, or sowing into kingdom activities. Kingdom of God activities, that is. So here Paul is saying, A blessing that God, the supplier of the seed, the harvest, and the food, that God is going to multiply the seed you have sown. Well, think of it this way. The more seed you have, the more harvest you have. So that's good. He is not just the God of addition. God is the God of multiplication. Your seed, your harvest, your provision of food will grow exponentially to increase the fruits of your righteousness speaks of generosity and good deeds and while these things don't save you they should be the hallmark of somebody who is saved now our lesson was entitled sowing and reaping and our lesson for life is this obeying the laws of sowing and reaping means an overflow of god's blessing in and through your life I'll say it again, obeying the laws of sowing and reaping means an overflow of God's blessing in and through your life. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education. Thank you for liking our page, and also go to our homepage where you can subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles from Scripture, practical Christian living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For the laws of sowing and reaping teach us
1: to sow liberally and reap abundantly through Jesus our Lord. Amen.